All right, well, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we just want to thank you this morning that you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Open our eyes, our ears, our understanding now to hear what you would say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been doing a series on Colossians. We just started last week with an introduction and the first two verses, and today we're going to look at verses 3 through to 8. And I'll read them. You'll see the words up on the screen. And um, if we can go to the next one, we're talking about the great download, but here we have the words on the screen. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit, growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now this is God's word from the book of Colossians. Well, on the day of Pentecost, there was a great download. The great download, of course, came down from above. And we read a little more about it in John chapter 16 when we hear Jesus' own words. As he's talking about this great download, he says this in John 16. But when he, the, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the great download that Jesus is talking about. The great download, this great download, came before technology and it came from above. And when heaven downloads to earth, it's where the divine downloads to humanity and that is what Pentecost is all about. A download. And if you don't know what a download is, it's taking material from one computer, one computer system and downloading it to another. It's taking material that existed somewhere else and making it your own. In fact, here's a definition of a download. 
Download, uh, downloading is the transmis uh, transmission of a file or data from one computer to another over a network, usually from a larger server to a user device. Can you see the connection? You know, a movie, a movie exists in one realm, doesn't it? You know, one time we'd have to go to the um, movie theatres to watch a movie. But um, they're actually getting it from somewhere else. Now we can see a movie, but we can watch it perhaps on YouTube or some other uh, medium, but if we take that and we download it, we can put it onto our iPads or our phones or something like that, and we're making it our own, legally, I hope. We make it our own. That means that I can go and sit under a tree and watch a movie anytime I like if I've downloaded it. What happened in the book of Acts is a download. In John 16, and that's what we read from before, we're not going to go back to those verses, but in John 16, if you remember them, Jesus is preparing his disciples for a download. What was in him was about to be downloaded into them. And so what Jesus is saying is, and here's a summary of my introduction, I have been with you, but I am getting ready to be in you. He says, I've been with you walking around Galilee and other places, but I am getting ready to be in you. And the first thing I want us to think about this morning is what has God downloaded? Well, number one, he's downloaded his presence. The kind of presence you get at Christmas time, spelled differently, his presence. You know, when Jesus was born, there's a whole lot of names given to Jesus. We read about them in the Old Testament, particularly Isaiah. We read about them in the New Testament. He's given the name Saviour. He's given the name Jesus. And there's another name that he's given, Emmanuel. And when we read that name, there's that little explanatory note that says it means God with us. And right there at Jesus' entry into the world at the time that... Uh, in the events that we celebrate around Christmas, Jesus is presented as God with us. But you see, his presence with us was external. He sat with people. He walked with people. People saw him. They heard him. They touched him. But Jesus was getting ready for a download. He was getting ready for his presence to be internal. One time, Jesus is sitting by a well and a lady comes along. She's a Samaritan. And Jesus talks about this in a fairly lengthy passage in John chapter 4 and he talks about this download and he says, I can offer you living water which will be a well of living water in you springing up. John 7, 
Jesus is talking to a crowd at the Feast of the Tabernacles and he talks about how the Holy Spirit will be like living water in us, springing up. And he's talking about something, not something, he's talking about someone. Not just that, he's talking about himself. He's saying, what you see out here in me, I'm going to put in you. You won't see my presence, but you'll experience my presence. And what, what his presence does in us is awaken our spiritual senses. As we experience his presence, we start to hear the voice, his voice, in our spirit. We start to see his handiwork in our situation. And we become sensitive to his presence as we listen to him and watch what he's doing. Now we go over to Colossians chapter 1. And Paul saw this in the Colossians. He looks at this church in Colossae and he says, I see in you that you have received this download that the Holy Spirit is in fact dwelling in you and you are manifesting his work in the same way that I am demonstrating the work of God in my body. The Holy Spirit, Paul says, now the, uh, Jesus said um, that we were manifesting. Uh, let, let, let me retract. Okay, so Paul saw in the Colossians God working in them. And he saw everything that Jesus had done on earth happening in the Colossian church because the Spirit of God was at work in them. If we look at verses 5 and 6, you'll notice at the end of this little extract um, from Colossians, those last five words, that has come to you. What has? The gospel. It's come to the Colossians. But read back. He talks about the faith and love that spring from a hope stored up for us in heaven, about which we have already heard uh, in the true message of the gospel. And now he's saying it has come to you. What he's saying is the truth of the gospel is in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. And when we cut down the physical senses, we bring them under control. One way we do that is through fasting. What fasting does is cut down something physical so that we can increase our spiritual awareness. And sometimes there's other things that we give up. We, you know, we turn aside from rubbish and we draw near to God in a place of quietness and rest so that we can download into our spiritual senses what he's saying, what he's doing. We need to understand, like we saw in that little video, that God is not a force, just a force or an energy. He's a person. We read in the Bible about God the Father. God the Father is a person and we read about him as being a father, loving like a good father. I emphasize a good father. 
loving like a friend, loving like the Lord of all things, the Lord of the universe. And then Jesus came to be God with us. He's a person. He's God with us, Saviour, Redeemer. And then the Holy Spirit comes, not as an influence, and I hear some people sadly talk about the Holy Spirit as it. You need to understand, he's a person. He is the third person in the Trinity. And he is called our helper, our encourager, our comforter. Over in Romans chapter 8, and we'll put these words up, Romans chapter 8 verses 9 and 10 talks about this and it says, you however are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the, in the realm of the spirit. That's exactly what I'm saying. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though, um, uh, sorry, but if Christ is in you, even then, though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. We need to be encouraged because God is in us. Let me take you back, right back, and even further back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The Spirit of God, he's hovering, hovering over the waters. The earth is formless and void, and the Spirit is hovering. And then we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one person declaring, let there be light, and there was light. Right over into the New Testament now, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in, the heart, in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You need to get that connection. Genesis 1, 2 Corinthians 4. God who said, let there be light, Let's that same light shine in us. And because he has downloaded his spirit into us, we're displaying the face of Christ. You step out, the, well, you don't even have to step out the doors. You look around, see the people near you. If they love the Lord, Holy Spirit is in you. And you're looking at someone displaying the face of Christ. You need to get that. We need to get that. Paul is comparing the creation to new creations. And so what he's really saying is, don't worry if you're in a chaotic situation. Don't worry if you don't have everything that you need. Don't worry if everything looks kind of muddy at the moment. Don't worry if everything is in a mess right now. You have the Holy Spirit in you. But if you don't understand how powerful he is and allow him to release his power within you, then you're missing out. You see, you need to understand how he operates in our lives. I want to tell you a story 
an experience that I had of the Holy Spirit speaking into my life and what happens. Your experiences won't always be as dramatic as this. But one Anzac Day weekend, I had the opportunity to go to Sydney and uh, that's where my son lived and for whatever reason, Anne stayed home and I went down there and I arrived a day early and I said, I think it was on a Friday, and I thought, I'm going to just enjoy a day being a tourist in Sydney. So I started the day with a cup of coffee down at Circular Quay and there was not a cloud in the sky, so you can imagine, it's a beautiful spot. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to this place and that place and I had my day planned out and... In my spirit, I heard, I want you to go to St Andrew's Cathedral. Hmm. It's worth a look. I've been there before, been to meetings there, but it's worth going back. What am I going to do there? I guess I could sit and pray for a while, that'd be good. So anyway, I got up and I started to wander towards the first place I wanted to go. And I hear this same voice. It's like different to everything I was thinking. I want you to go to St Andrew's Cathedral. Three times that happened. So just before lunch, I think it was about 11 o'clock or thereabouts, I ended up at St Andrew's Cathedral. And there's tourists, you know, they're doing the cathedral thing, uh, wandering in, having a look and so forth. And there's a few people sitting down praying. I thought, what do I do? Now I'm here. So I just thought, I'll sit down and pray. So I prayed for a little while and um, read some scriptures and thought, now what? Nothing. So I thought, oh, go. And I hear this voice, stay. I'm sending someone to you. And so I waited, waited. It was over an hour. And then... People started to come in for the midday or lunchtime church service. I thought, well, I'm not going to hang around here um, for that. No, no objection to hanging around for that, but I'd been there a while. And I still heard, stay. So next minute, there's a little tap on my shoulder. And this girl, maybe about 20, is sitting behind me. And she handed me a piece of paper and she said, I'm deaf and I can't speak very well. Can you help me? I need $68 for a train fare back to casino where my family are. Now, I've been around a bit and I thought, this is a scam. Hey, you're thinking that too, aren't you? It's a scam. And I thought, okay, tell me more. So she told me some of her story. And I hear this same sense, give her the money. The other thing that happened was I knew exactly, because I'd looked it up for some other reason, I knew exactly what the train fare was from Sydney to Casino where she wanted to go. And it was $68. I hear the Lord say, give her the money. So what I did was, I, and we're, we're writing all this down on my iPad. 
which is a blessing because I've now got a record of that conversation still on my iPad. Anyway, I moved around to the side of her so she couldn't see what I was saying. And um, if she heard, uh, she was not able to read my lips or whatever, and I said to her, I'll give you the $68. No response. So then I wrote down, I'll give you the $68. So she got a bit excited. And then I said, but can I pray for you that the Lord will heal you? And I wrote all this down. And she said, yes. And I, then I wrote down, I'm going to pray for you now that the Lord will heal you and that you'll come to know Jesus. And she smiled. So she bowed her head and I prayed, knowing full well she wasn't at that time hearing my prayer. And so I finished praying and she's still there, head bowed, eyes closed. And I had to tap her and say, oh, right, it's finished. You know, I prayed for it. Then she wrote, can you please get me some lunch? And um, I thought, okay, there's KFC just over the square. And off we go. Now, that was fun because here's this deaf girl who can't speak well and we're in this crowded lunchtime KFC in the middle of Sydney and uh, we're up at the counter. It's our turn and I'm getting her to point to what she wants and, uh, you know, when I'm learning sign language very quickly. And uh, anyway, we got it all sorted and I sat down and uh, we ate we started to eat our meal and um, as I was um, finished, just about finished eating our meal and I, I wrote, I'm going now and um, I got up and I walked around to the side of her and um, I just touched her shoulder and I said, it's been good to meet you, um, I'm going now um, and may God bless you and she spun around and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, I heard what you said. The Lord had healed her. Hey. That's what it is. It, as I said, your experience won't always be that dramatic. But you will sense the Holy Spirit leading you because he's been downloaded into you. That's the key takeaway from this first point. The Holy Spirit is Christ's download into your life. The second thing I want to share with you is God's download is a process, has a process. I want to go back to Colossians chapter 1. You see, we're in Christ. The Holy Spirit, uh, we're in Christ, yes, and the Holy Spirit is in us, and God has put in us, or put, sorry, put us in the world to make a difference. And Paul encourages the Colossians and he writes in verses 3 and 4, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of our love you have and of the love you have for all God's people. What he's saying to the Colossians is you're making a difference. He's saying, you're not giving up. 
You're making a difference. You're loving difficult people. You're making a difference. You're trusting God when things are tough. You're making a difference. He's saying you're helping your neighbor. You're making a difference. You're praying for your family. You're making a difference. You're sharing your faith. You're making a difference. You're praying. You're making a difference. You're believing God's word. You're making a difference. And he says in verses 5 and 6, the faith and love that spring from that hope that is stored up in you um, stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you. And he goes on, he says, I give thanks that you're hearing the Holy Spirit and you're responding and there's something happening. When we cooperate with the Spirit, he works a process in us. And that process, let's put it up on the screen, involves three words. Faith, hope and love. The order's different up there. The order, well, the order on the screen is the order you see here in Colossians. Let me explain. He's saying the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is also known as the Spirit of Christ. He's in us. And from that, oh, that actually creates hope. And then faith comes and then love. Now, this is how the process works. Let me use a simple illustration that I think we can all relate to. We're driving down the highway and we're looking for a sign. We're looking for a sign because things are getting desperate. And you're looking for a sign, if we go to the next one that, and the next one, that says rest area ahead. Things are desperate. We see a sign, 10 kilometres to a rest area. What does that do? It gives hope. We've seen the sign, now we've got hope. And now that hope suddenly changes the atmosphere in the car. Hope turns to faith and we start to say, I've got the hope because I've seen the sign. Now I've got the faith to believe that there is going to be something there that is going to relieve my desperation. And then we go a little further and maybe I need to change the illustration here a little, but we spread the love. <laughs> now, what I mean by that is the atmosphere in the car changes, doesn't it? We've seen the sign. We have hope. I've got faith to believe there's going to be something there to meet my need. I can relax and I'm no longer angry because I can't find what I need. It changes our attitude. What does that sign do for you? It gives hope. The hope turns to faith. We saw the sign. We know it's going to be there. And that your attitude towards those around you, it changes. So when you came to Christ, you came because you saw in him a hope that you didn't have. And we haven't seen all that hope yet. We some of the, see some of that hope in life. And what happens is, um, if we can just go back um, a slide. I got them a little out of order. That one there. Um, what happens is we have this hope planted in us because the Spirit of Christ, Christ is now in us and out springs above the ground faith 
and love. And so we see faith and hope, uh, faith and love coming out of that hope. And what happens is we've looked, something has stirred within us. We're not happy with our environment. We're not happy with the way my life is going. We're not happy with that sense of shame, that sense of guilt that I'm carrying. And I hear the story of Jesus. I hear the message of the cross. And all of a sudden what's happening is a hope is stirring in me that I might be able to be forgiven, that I might be able to be put right with God. It's like a sign. Jesus is like a sign, but he's more than a sign. And and as we look to Jesus, it builds faith and we start to believe the word of God may well be true because I see in Jesus all the things that I'm hoping for now I've got a sign I I believe I believe it because I've seen these things about Jesus and so I respond to God's love manifest to us in Christ and what happens is he comes into my life puts his Holy Spirit in me and love is a part of the fruit that he deposits in me and it spreads out of me that's what Paul is saying to the Colossians Let me summarize what I've just said in this second point, and here it is up on the screen. When I feel my faith waning, the place to look is hope. When I feel my love lacking, the place to look is faith. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is God's download will always produce, produce a harvest. Colossians 1.6 says, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You see, Pentecost starts back in the Old Testament. It started 50 days after the Passover. That's seven weeks and the full seven weeks ago and then the celebration on the 50th day. Pentecost, Pente, actually means 50. Now, the Jews today, and if you're a Jewish person here this morning, you'll have to correct my pronunciation, but I call it Shavuot. That's a Jewish festival. They still have it. What Shavuot does, it combines two festivals into one. The Feast of Weeks and Pentecost, are brought together. And what happens is, there is a celebration of the beginning of the summer harvest and the giving of the law. Two things together. And so Pentecost is about the harvest. And the harvest, of course, comes from the sacrifice of a seed. And Jesus picks this up in John 12, um, verse 24, and we'll put that verse up. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. You pull a seed out of the pack, a bean seed or something like that, sit it on the table, and as long as it sits on the table, it'll remain a seed. Put it into the ground, the seed dies, and up comes a plant need to know from the reading that we had earlier and as you're, you've read the New Testament, you know that the first harvest of souls was 3,000 people committed their lives to Christ on the day of Pentecost. Isn't that marvellous? Amen. 
And so what happened? For that to come, you see, they weren't able to just take, the disciples weren't able to just take their time with Jesus and say, I've watched him, now I'm going to do it. And sadly, some people do that today. It's like, yeah, I've watched what Christians do, I've watched what Jesus did, and I'm just going to go and do it. There's something missing. They had to wait. Let's put the next slide up. Have you ever seen that sign? <laughs> One of the most frustrating signs I think we're ever confronted with, isn't it? <laughs> Waiting for a download. And so what happens is you wait. You wait. Jesus had left them and they waited 10 days. And they waited. And what happened was maybe for them it was like the screen went blank. And sometimes, just before a download, the screen goes blank. And then up comes what you've been looking for, the logo that says, proceed, you can back in. And so, Pentecost is the start of the harvest. But Jesus said, I want you to wait for the download to be complete. And on that day of Pentecost, people brought their harvest. And what they're doing is they bring their harvest and they're celebrating in the natural what is happening in the spiritual. They're bringing their harvest, the first fruits, but the Christians, the, the disciples, they get the download of the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They've, they've got flames of fire. There's a sound of a wind. And we've got to go through something to get this download, you see. And some of the things that we've got to go through is... We've got to go through the whole Bible experience. The whole Bible. You say, that's going to take forever. Let's go back, first few books of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. God says, you're separated from me because of your wickedness. To Adam and Eve, first people. You're separated from me because of your wickedness. But he says... The one that led you astray, being the snake, the one that led you astray, he's going to cause some damage. He's going to bite. But I'm going to come and crush his head. He's going to bite your heel. I'll crush his head. That's the start of the gospel. And the gospel goes on and it reiterates our condition when Moses, before the people of Israel, God says, here's the law. And the law became a measuring stick and it's a standard that we're expected to keep. And this law starts off what is supposed to be the gospel and good news with actually bad news. And the bad news is we're separated from God. And if we don't somehow find a way of getting back to God, we'll be separated from him forever. And then we have the next step. A download. God sends Jesus his one and only son. And he says, if you believe that his sacrifice on the cross where he shed his blood is enough to pay for your sin and you turn to him and see the covering of the blood of Jesus just like it was back in the book of Exodus when the Passover came, if you understand that the when you turn to Jesus and ask his forgiveness, he 
turns you to the cross, as it were, and says, I have poured out my blood for you. And if you will come and confess your sin and believe that I died to pay for your sin, you will have that blood that I shed, as it were, figuratively now, over you like there was at the Passover. And then we have his resurrection, a part of the gospel. Jesus didn't just die as a sacrifice. He came up from the grave. He rose again. He conquered sin and he conquered death and declared, I am still God with you. And the fourth part of the gospel, which we often leave out, is the Holy Spirit is poured out. And in Acts 1.8, we read, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you or comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's a download of power. You know, they get the power and that enables them to be witnesses. Now, we understand witness in a different way. We think about, I'm a witness to that traffic accident or I'm a witness to what he just did to her or she just did to him. I'm a witness. Not what it's saying there in Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. Put all that together, what do we get? We're not just sharing what God's doing. We've got the Holy Spirit who was there in Genesis and at the Passover and at Sinai and at the cross and at the resurrection. And these men weren't witnesses to all of that. What he's saying is, the Holy Spirit in you is a witness that the world will be able to see as the fruit of the Spirit shines out. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and so on. When the Holy Spirit has been downloaded into, into us, we will show out the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you a little summary to take home, I trust. Pentecost is about the harvest. It's about harvest. Harvest produces fruit, and fruit draws people. As you are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're to be filled with the Spirit and be being filled with the Spirit. It's like being baptized in the Spirit, totally immersed in Him, dead to everything else but alive to the Spirit's voice. And as we go through life like that, we're going to see Him do amazing things. And all the things that Paul gave thanks for in Colossians chapter 1 will come to pass out of your life. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we just want to thank you this morning that you've sent your Holy Spirit to be with us. No, in us. Thank you that we're in Christ and you, you have been downloaded into us. Lord, as we turn to the word of God again now and start to celebrate communion together, enable us, Lord, Enable us to see afresh the cross and what the cross means for us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.